Well, good morning again. So great to be back with you guys here. I was here about a month ago, had the opportunity to share with you, and uh, really is an, uh, an honor to be back here again. Bill Tibbetts and I, uh, dean of the business school, we used to work together down in Indianapolis uh, a lifetime ago, seems like now, and, and uh, love Bill, and I love, I love his laugh more than anything else. If you guys know Bill, his laugh, I can still hear it in my sleep. It like wakes me up, you know? Um, but uh, I was here with you last month, and we talked about the intersection of faith and work, and when Bill called and asked my brother-in-law, David, uh, David is my brother-in-law, I'm married to his sister, uh, when he asked the, uh, the two of us to come back and, and speak, he put a couple of potential topics on the table. One was the idea of greed in the business and the marketplace, and the other was the church's response to the Me Too movement, and I could not type back fast enough, I'll take greed, I'll take greed. So I was uh, grateful that David was uh, willing to take on such an important topic yesterday. Didn't he do a fantastic job of really talking us through a, a gospel, a gospel response to this very sensitive cultural issue? Um, so thank you for pointing us to Jesus yesterday. I, I hope I can do the same thing today. I always tell my pastor friends, there is no bad sermon that leaves people looking at Jesus. And so that's what we're going to try to do today, all right? Um, always like to start with a passage of Scripture um, we're going to look at a very familiar passage, and we're going to read it together, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to see what God wants to say to us today, all right? Exodus 20, verse 3 through 6. Let's look at this together. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Let's pray together. Lord, we just ask, God, that you would illuminate our hearts today, God, beyond the words that I'm going to speak. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be here in a real and powerful way. Lord, open your word. God, speak to us, Lord, in, in real ways, God, about who you are, about your great redemption plan and our role in it, we pray today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's this um, popular show out on NBC right now that maybe you guys have heard of called This Is Us. Anybody heard of This Is Us? My wife and my daughters love to make me uh, watch this show. I, I like to refer to it as That Is We. Um, it's kind of an Indiana thing, right? But it seems like every Tuesday night, every Tuesday night, the ladies across my social media feed and the ones that live in my own home, in my living room, they swoon over this dreamy dad with a crooked smile, right? This guy named Jack Pearson. I have to tell my wife every week, you know Jack is a fictional character, right? His name is Milo. He lives in Los Angeles. And she just sends me the eye roll emoji, right? She just sends me that back. You see, Jack Pearson is this uh, imperfect hunk of a man, right? He's always got the right heart, even when he totally screws up. He's got the perfect words for his daughter when she needs him. He always has the, the perfect heroic selfless deeds during a family crisis. The whole family leans on Jack, who always seems to have like flawless hair too and, and washboard abs, even though the arc of the story is like over two decades. It's kind of a miracle. I don't, I don't know. 
But all the women, all the women in my life thinks, think Jack walks on water. They think Jack walks on water. Jack just makes me sick. He just makes me sick. <laughs> See, I, I love to jokingly roast Jack Pearson because it gives me a great opportunity for some self-deprecating humor, but... The truth is, the truth is, it is actually very refreshing to see a strong, wise, in-tune, honorable father who selflessly loves and sacrifices for his family on a popular TV show today. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the, the dads on most TV shows and in most movies are the bumbling idiots. They're the bumbling idiots. Mom is usually the voice of, of wisdom, and the kids, I don't understand this, the kids are always smarter than the knucklehead dad. Dad's the punchline, Right? And I think dads kind of have an unfair and unflattering caricature painted of them in today's popular culture. And it's really unfortunate, especially in this uh, fatherless society that we live in. So I think on some level, I should probably, probably be more supportive of this Jack character. You know, even though he's not a real person. You guys do know that. Ladies, you know that, right? Like all of his perfect lines and actions are written and scripted for him. Just want to make sure you know that, all right? See, we have the, the same misleading caricature painted of business in the corporate world in pop culture today, too. Who is the villain in a majority of movies and TV shows? It's the evil corporate business owner who wants to destroy the neighborhood park, right, where all the kids play. Wants to put a chemical plant in that'll kill all the trees and make people sick so he can build a bigger house and drive a nice sports car and eventually take over the world, right? We see this in, in pop culture all the time, right? Look at, at Jurassic World, right? You have the, the engine company. They want to make billions by recreating dinosaurs who end up eating all the people. Or how about the Lego movie? They didn't even beat around the bush with the Lego movie. The, the bad guy's name is Lord Business. He wants to destroy Legoland by gluing all the pieces together. Or Wall Street, the, the old 80s movie Wall Street, where Hollywood introduced one of the most evil business characters of all time, a guy named Gordon Gecko, who said, greed is good. Or maybe my kid's favorite show, right? Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. <laughs> He's a bit addicted to his cash, isn't he? He likes to shower with it, sleep with it. He'll run you over to make a buck, right, with a Krabby Patty, right? But the, the villain is almost always the rich business guy who greedily takes advantage of others for money, power, and control. And part of this could be a, an anti-business Hollywood agenda, but characters, caricatures are usually stereotypical exaggerations for a reason. We connect with them because there's some level of truth underneath it all. If you just Google corporate greed, some examples will pop up on the screen. A guy named Bertie Madoff. He was a stockbroker and the former chairman of the NASDAQ who orchestrated the largest Ponzi scheme in history, $65 billion. He ripped people off. Spending 150 years in jail for his crimes. Or back right around the turn of the millennium, the Enron Corporation. Enron was a, um, an energy company out of Houston that employed 20,000 people was considered a blue-chip stock. They illegally hid losses and bankruptcies from their board, and they pressured their accountants to hide them as well, and the whole company came crashing down, and people lost millions. Or the mortgage banking crisis of 2008 and 2009, where stockbrokers were giving mortgages to people they knew 
could not afford to pay for them so they could make all of their quotas. There's, there's even a scene in the movie The Big Short where they were using the names of their cats. They were giving cats mortgages so that they can make their quotas and, and get their fancy trips and all of this money, right? So these caricatures were, we see in movies and TV shows, they might be exaggerations, but they're rooted in real-life experience. Business has an undeniable and verifiable history of greed. Greed. Greed is this intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. I've been greedy for some food, you know, from time to time, right? It's almost lunchtime. You guys getting a little greedy for food? But see, when you think of a, of a greedy person, my guess is that one of the above images of an evil corporate tycoon might, might fill your mind, right? But does this mean that business is inherently selfish? Does this mean business is just some sinful kill-or-be-killed institution that man invented to survive in this fallen world? Is business synonymous with greed? Does business make people greedy? And I would say the answer is no. See, greed, greed is not a business problem. It is a worship problem. Greed is not a business problem. It is a worship problem. When I was here last month, we touched briefly on this idea of idolatry. Idolatry as the root of all sin. It is the evil hijacker of God's intended design for his creation. It's the creator of counterfeits, deceptive counterfeits. See, business is not the enemy of the kingdom. Idolatry is the enemy. Business is not greedy. Idolatry is greedy. Let's look at a couple passages of Scripture. Ephesians 5, verse 5. The Apostle Paul says, You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Paul obviously thought this was important because he repeated almost the exact same thing to the church in Coloss. Colossians 3.5 says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Worshiping the things of this world. You see, greed is not a business problem. Greed is a worship problem. When we worship the things of this world, we give them a place that they were never intended to own in our lives. Instead of serving their design, they become the actual object of our affection. David mentioned this yesterday when he talked a little bit about the Imago Dei and how we mar the design that God has for our lives, right? See, sin is not primarily doing bad things as much as it is misusing good things. It's using things outside of their creative, God-ordained design. You see, money, money is a great tool, but it is an oppressive master. See, don't buy the lie that, that money and wealth are inherently evil. It's the love of money that will destroy you. Money in the hands of a gospel-redeemed, kingdom-oriented person is a powerful tool when it is surrendered to God. 
Happiness. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, one of the classes. See, happiness is a beautiful byproduct of life, but it is a horrible pursuit. It is a horrible pursuit. When happiness is our aim, we actually end up making ourselves and the people around us very miserable. Happiness is a byproduct. Power. Power is a beautiful thing when it is used to serve other people. When it's held up as the ultimate objective, then it turns on us and it crushes us and it crushes itself under the weight of our manic expectations. You see, greed manifests when money becomes the object of our trust. It manifests when happiness takes precedence over obedience. It manifests when power becomes the source of our identity. Greed is the worship of created things. A greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. But business is not about greed. See, there's this common and I believe almost instinctive belief in much of modern Western culture that business is primarily about making money. That business is just a mechanism for me to extract something from you for myself. That business success is defined by how much I can get from you and stockpile for me. And it can make those of us who are believers in the marketplace almost feel bad about what we do. Like uh, it's just the unfortunate reality of our lot in life until Jesus comes back, takes us out of this greedy, evil, business-shackled economy and takes us to heaven so we can finally peacefully lay on clouds and play harps, right? Like we were designed to do. But see, business is not about greed. Business is not about how much I can get from you. At its core, business is primarily about adding value to other people and the world around us. It is about seeing a need and meeting it. It is about recognizing a problem and solving it. It is about seeing something that is missing from the world and providing it. Business is first and foremost about what I can give. And then I'm compensated for my contribution. Rabbi Daniel Lappin, he's a popular Jewish rabbi. He's on the Dave Ramsey Show quite often. He likes to call dollar bills certificates of appreciation. (laughs) The more people I serve, the more value I add, the more problems I solve, the more certificates of appreciation I can get for my effort, right? See, money is not the pursuit, it is the byproduct, and we don't apologize for that. And I love, I love the image this paints for business and the marketplace from a believer's standpoint. See, don't buy into the caricature created by the idolatry of money, power, and happiness. Business is not synonymous with greed. Redeemed by the gospel, business becomes synonymous with love and service. The defining question is simply, what are you worshiping? Greed is not a business problem. It is a worship problem. There's a Hebrew word that I've stumbled onto called avodah. Avodah. It's an Old Testament Hebrew word, and I always get a little nervous, especially in a a school known for Bible uh, students and Bible professors stumbling into this uh, uh, road. So if you want to come up and correct me afterwards, you can. But uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about this idea of avodah. The word avodah in the Old Testament, it jointly, at the same time, means three things. It means work, it means worship, and it means service. 
It means work, worship, and service. The same word means all three things. See, the Hebrew understanding did not differentiate these three ideas, but it embraced them as seamlessly intertwined. Work, worship, and service. Let's look. In, in Psalm 104, Psalm 104, avodah means work. It says, then man goes out to his work, his avodah, to his labor until evening. Then in Exodus 8, the exact same word is used for worship. This is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship or avodah me. And then in Joshua 24, the same word means service. But as for me and my household, we will serve, we will avodah the Lord. You remember when I was here last month, I I used this picture of an old uh, middle school lunch tray, right? We talked about how we like to partition our life. But see, for the believer, life is not partitioned. All of life is integrated. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 talks about the gospel redeeming all things, including the work of our hands. This word avodah from the Old Testament, it paints this integrated picture so beautifully. See, when, when God is in his rightful place, when the idols have been torn down, then the work of our hands, our business, our day jobs will be synonymous with worship and service. The fulfillment of the great commandment to love the Lord our God and our neighbor as ourself. Work, worship, service. Greed is not a business problem. It is a worship problem. And I want to encourage all of you who are in or pursuing business and marketplace degrees. See, business is an opportunity to reflect God's glory and to bring the first fruits of his kingdom into the world. This is a uh, picture of my dad. Um, My dad grew up in a poor pastor's home. My grandfather, he pastored Little Assembly of God churches all up and down the East Coast. Sometimes, uh, my dad has told the story, sometimes the the churches didn't have money to pay my grandfather, so they would pay him in chickens. (laughs) And my dad actually remembers my my grandfather taking his payment, a chicken, out into the backyard to a stump and, and cutting its head off and the chicken running around literally with its head cut off in the backyard before they served it up for dinner that day. See, my dad, he didn't want us growing up the way he grew up. And he had a a knack for business and entrepreneurship. His goal was to one day have a million dollars in the bank. That's what he wanted. Back in the 80s, he was well on his way. He was uh, the co-owner of some nursing homes, and then he eventually sold those, spent some time in the restaurant business, had some other investments. He just had a knack for entrepreneurship. He He was good at recognizing opportunity, and then he had the guts to kind of undertake the risk, which is a really important thing for all of you entrepreneur students. You can have a great idea, but you got to have the guts to undertake the risk, right? But in in the early 90s, alongside a developer friend of ours and the pastor of our church, he decided to take his skills and and give them to the development of a housing nonprofit company that would do its best to provide quality, affordable housing— to people who need it while committing half of its cash at the end of the year 
to global missions work. Seeing the gospel spread in the name of Jesus declared to the ends of the earth. So by our, our best estimates, CRF affordable housing now today, 25 years later, provides what we hope is quality, affordable housing, and assisted living for between five and 6,000 people every day. And we've been able to give over $7 million to the work of the kingdom around the world. See, my, my dad is my hero. He's my Jack Pearson. <laughs> He's made that million dollars that he always dreamed about. He's made it multiple times over. It's just not in his bank account. It isn't in a trust fund for my kids, and trust me, I have my days where I wish it was. Three kids going to college. But my, my dad is hands down. He's the richest guy I know. He's the richest guy I know. His work is avodah. He doesn't worship his business, so his business has become his worship. Your work doesn't have to look like my dad's or the company that we run now to be avodah. You don't have to start a nonprofit or work for an overtly missional business. For-profit businesses can be avodah too. But you do have to confront your idols. You have to confront your idols. We don't worship our work. We worship God. We don't worship money, happiness, and power. We worship God. And when God is in his rightful place, then our work becomes worship. Our work becomes worship. I'm really grateful that um, NCU sees business in the marketplace not as a less than fallback Christian life, but actually as a sacred calling. I appreciate what you guys do here, Bill. It's sacred. I honestly would love to see a thousand more Dave Coopers rise up to start a thousand more CRFs to the glory of God. See, I think it's time that we send called saints into the marketplace with the same joy and pride that we send them into the pulpits. Not into idolatrous lies of greed, but into avodah, work, worship, service, the fulfillment of the great commandment. Business can be a part of the kingdom, of ushering in God's kingdom in beautiful and powerful ways. So what I want to do as we close today, I, uh, I want to pray for the business students and really for all the students in the College of Arts and Sciences. Those of you who are here at NCU and you are heading and, and studying to head into the marketplace. I want you to know that what you do and what you're pursuing is sacred. It is part of God's design for his world. So if you're in the College of Arts and Sciences, um, can you just come up here to the front? Can we just bring you guys up front here as we close? I just want to pray for you today. Those of you who are pursuing the marketplace,
Ah, this is beautiful. <laughs> Those of you who are in your seats still, can you just stretch out a hand to these here in the front? And I just want to pray over you guys today. And those of you who are here, maybe as David had us do yesterday, just, just open your hands. Just open your hands and turn them palms up to God today. And let's pray. Lord, I thank you that the gospel redeems all things. That the gospel redeems all things, Lord. God, that you took, God, our lives, and through the blood of your son Jesus, you, you renewed and you resurrected and you redeemed. But God, you took all things. Lord, you are in the process, Lord, of renewing and, and recreating and resurrecting all things, God, through your son, Jesus Christ. God, and we believe today that that's even the work of our hands. That's even the business world and the marketplace, God. And so I pray today a special prayer, God, of blessing, God, over these here that are studying to enter the marketplace. God, may they see what they are doing and stepping into, God, as a calling. May they see it through the lens of your kingdom, God. May you begin to inspire them with your spirit, God, to start new businesses, Lord, or for those who end up working for other corporations, God, show them how just going to work every day and embracing that work, God, as avodah, Lord, can make a difference, Lord, for the kingdom in the marketplace. But God, I pray your blessing over these students here today, and I pray, God, that you would illuminate to them, Lord, how your gospel is resurrecting and renewing what they are called to do with their lives. God, give them a picture of what it looks like. God, I pray for the business and entrepreneurship program, the College of Arts and Sciences here, Lord. I pray, God, that you would give them new energy, God, new ideas, new creativity, Lord. God, to see, Lord, how you are doing a new thing, God, amongst us. So, God, we give these beautiful students to you today. And I ask in Jesus' name that you would do something beautiful through their lives, that you would call them. Lord, we say with excitement today, Lord, you are calling them to the marketplace. You are calling them, God, to bring the kingdom, Lord, through business, entrepreneurship, and through marketplace development. We ask for your help today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.